1: this week on Rockstar Superhero. Guitarist and songwriter Andreas Ballness has been working on a new project called Philosophobia for 15 years. Yes, I said that right, 15 years. Now, in between gigs with various world-class musicians around Europe, Andreas and a few other superstar musicians wrote, recorded, and ultimately re-recorded the new self-titled album, due out on June 24th. If you're listening to this show, the first thing you need to do afterwards is go out and buy this wonderful progressive metal masterpiece. It's easy to use hyperbole like masterpiece or must-own, but I assure you I'm speaking the truth. You gotta pick up the new album today because it's incredible. So listen to my interview with one of the coolest people in my life, the inimitable Andreas Balnus, the guitarist of Philosophobia, because this, my friends, is Rockstar Superhero.
0: unchained
1: It's a great honor to meet you, and I am thrilled beyond belief because you're one of those European superheroes I've wanted to talk to for a bit of time, and then I found out about Philosophobia, and I'm like, uh-oh, it's time. <laughs> it's, it's time to make that happen, so thanks for being here, brother.
0: Thank you for having me. Yeah. It's an honor for me, too.
1: Oh, wow, that's really cool. Um, You know, you started the band with your buddy Alex, uh, Back in the mid 2000s, if I read that all correctly, but it wasn't yep. until about two years ago that you finally got it all together. And of course, I've read up on you. I know the stuff that happens between the lines, but the listening audience may not necessarily understand your life story. So, so why did you start the band so long ago and then didn't do anything until the last two years? <laughs>
0: that's uh still it's really strange to me too <laughs> to yeah. say the least i mean yeah. it's like uh, we started in, in 2007 uh yeah. or basically i started to to write songs and get the idea for the lyrics yeah and uh, then of course alex was the first who came to my mind uh, to to realize uh, all the songs mm-hmm. and yeah we headed to the studio um, Alex had a good friend, uh, Tobias, who's the keyboard player. Uh, so we brought him to the studio, we recorded all that stuff. I played main, uh, main tracks of the bass back then for the demos. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was looking for a singer and um, a friend of mine said, uh, well, you, you got to listen to that guy from from Wastefall, Greek prog metal band, uh, Dominic. And, and I listened to it and I was like, this is exactly what I'm looking for. Yeah. So, um, I just wrote him an email, uh, sent him some of the rough demos, and uh, he said, that sounds great. I'm coming. Wow. <laughs> so wow. He, he flew over and uh, recorded uh, eight songs on the original recordings. There were two songs that are not on the album now. They were replaced by two other ones. Mm-hmm. And um, that was it. He flew back to to Greece and uh, three weeks later he, he called me and said, dude, you know, I, I liked it so much in Germany. Uh, I want to emigrate to Germany. So uh, can can I live a couple of weeks at your place? And I said, sure, you can (laughs) just come over. So he ended up spending three or four months at my place uh, until Mm -hmm. he found his own apartment. Um, And for some reasons, and I cannot really say which reasons these were, we never finished the demos. Mm -hmm. It was like Alex joined Annihilator as a tour drummer. I was on on tour with Paul Diano and... Mm -hmm personal war in in my bands. So it never really happened for for some strange reasons. Crazy,
1: crazy. Well, you had all but you had all that weight behind you. I mean, if you think about it here, you were with Paul Deanna, who was the, for those who don't know, was the original lead singer of Iron Maiden. And, you know, I would imagine if you're an up and coming musician and you're playing with this, you know, sort of, you know, quasi superstar, if you will. It would be really hard to say I'm going to leave that and go do my own thing, you know.
0: Yeah, I, of course I, I wouldn't want to leave uh, the Pauliano band at that time,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: because you know the the other guys, the drummer, the bass player, the other guitar player, we were all really close friends, and yeah. uh, and so I I always say if you have a band and you go on tour, it has to feel a little bit like a class trip. Mm-hmm. And if it, do- if it doesn't, it's just work. So um, that was the main reason that it was a lot of fun with these guys. It was also fun with Paul. I mean, he's a little bit older. He gets to bed a little bit earlier than, than we did back in the days. <laughs> so uh, I, I I had a little bit more contact with, with the other guys, but it was it was an awesome time.
1: Yeah. And, that, yeah. and then we,
0: we started writing songs with Paul uh, under the name of Architects of Chaos and released two albums. So there was another thing when there was no time for philosophobia because uh, from the very beginning, I was sure if I do it, I do it 100% and not as a side project or something.
1: Sure, sure, sure. I would imagine, though, yeah, there's so much going on. I mean, the nature of a musician. I mean, look, you're a busy guy. You've been a busy guy from ground zero because that's who we are, right? I'm a former musician, just so you know. Um, So, I mean, I understand kind of what it feels like to be you. And I, I know that there's just no way we can't just turn it off. It's it, it's no. it's it's in our blood. It's in our DNA.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that was finally the reason why we um, we finished uh, Philosophobia. I was always in contact with Christopher, uh, mm. the of the bass player, and um, we were talking about uh, the Philosophobia demos because he was supposed to to guest on the on the demos just for one or two tracks, mm. and I said. You know, I don't know why, but we never finished it. And he he said, What? asked me to send over the demos again. And I sent it to him. And and then he said, Okay, if if we do it, I'm in as a full band member and we do it now. Yeah. I said, Yeah, well, that's really good. We do it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, yes, but you know, you know, it's so interesting because, you know, I was thinking about on on you you know to understand a little bit more about you than what i what i knew prior you know this is a for all intents and purposes a, a technically a super group right you know you have all the i mean from all of these these sort of bigger names you know these other bands creator and whatnot and and i think there's a uh, it, there's a weird there's a weird um energy i don't know maybe i'm just rambling here but there's a there's a sort of an expectation amongst probably amongst yourselves that wow we better do this right does does that make sense
0: yeah it does yeah of yeah. course I'm, I'm for me it's a little bit different uh point of view because you know when we started uh alex was had not joined annihilator and uh, I had just started to tour with Paul, and uh, Christopher just uh, got out of Pain of Salvation and yeah. was not involved into anything. Because for, for us, in, in our opinion, we were, you know, a band of unknown musicians. Sure. Meanwhile, meanwhile, it has changed, of course. And yeah. uh, I mean, there was when we asked David Wilson to have uh, some guest vocals on the record, uh, mm-hmm. which he has on, on IM. Yeah. Um, David is also oh. a friend of mine for for years now because we were touring together. He with uh, Maiden United, you know, the acoustic Iron Maiden stuff, hmm. and uh, I toured with Paul. So we played a couple of festivals together. So we got along really well with with each other. And we were just chatting via messenger one night and he said hey i'm in the studio in england right now recording some Aryan stuff and i said yeah i'm in the studio in in saarbrücken recording uh stuff and he said so we're both in the studio why don't we do something together yeah and and then he recorded the vocals and sent over eight tracks and they were all absolutely fantastic in the back of my mind I, i i originally i don't want somebody to guest on the album because that would be something like another name dropping you know, and, and I really did not want that, but his uh, vocal tracks were so fantastic, I had to say yes.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so interesting too how it works. People on the outside of the business—I think I say this every show, so <laughs> so bear with me—but people on the outside of the business look at people like yourself and they say, "Oh, that guy's a celebrity; he's famous, so of course he has famous friends." That's how they see it, and and as you mentioned. Yeah, but we have knew each other for forever, and you yeah. know, I was I was talking to Doogie White um, from Alcatraz last year, and you know, he's like hanging out with Richie Blackmore and Bruce Dickinson at a pub. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? They're they're just his buddies, and and it's just proof that once you're in the business, if you will, even um, not necessarily the big time, but just there and available. Um, that That music business is very small, very insulated, because you and those people are the only people who understand what it's like. Yeah. Nobody else, nobody else gets it. They just they think it's something big and sexy and grand, and yeah. it's not. it's a it's a lot of hard work.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I get asked that a lot of times, or when I was on tour with Paul, people ask me that a lot of times. But you know, the job that I had being the guitar player for for Paul, there were yeah. like. 1000 people that wanted to have the job. So if I <laughs> if, if I did not deliver each night and every night, uh, I would not have the, had the job for a long time. So uh, it's not like you party all night. And no. you can't, you have no. to get your sleep. Otherwise, you won't be playing well the next evening. So yeah, it's, it's, it's not that glamorous. And you're right, it's very small. Like I said, I got to know Damien because we played the same festivals. So we're just met each other and then we talked a little bit and it just evolved naturally like you you make friends with somebody you meet at work or so it's it's not that glamorous it's just you know people you meet on a regular basis
1: (laughs) yeah yeah it's really true and and the funny thing about um uh, I keep putting quotes around it, but the term "rock star" is kind of a silly one as well because the reality is: is you're talented, you're gifted, and you're driven, and you realize that what it takes to get to to sort of stand out is to get on that stage and to put it on, to put on the talent, to put on the look, to put on the show. Because, as you mentioned, there's a thousand other guys that want that gig, and you have to be willing to do all those things. And I remember coming home from a show about 20 years ago and it was a four in the morning and my wife, you know, met me at the front door and I, and she said, you know, how did it go? And I, you know, I told her and I was just spent, I was just exhausted and they don't, people don't realize that unless you're, you know, in the Rolling Stones or you too, um, you're doing all the technical stuff. You're exactly. You're packing your gear. You're taking it out to the van. You're, you know, you're your own roadie most of the time. Maybe not all yeah. the time, but most of the time. And and then you have to log in the fact that you know if you're a good band like you were with Paul Deano and of course now with Philosophobia, is there's a tremendous amount, a tremendous amount of time spent learning, practicing. You know, rehearsing the songs, making sure you're good with your instrument, keeping yourself healthy. There's so much mental work that you get more exhausted in your brain than I think you do physically.
0: Of course. And and, uh, one of the biggest things is is waiting time. Oh, it's the worst. I, I, I summed it up. All the, all the gigs I played with Paul, yeah. uh, there was a, a, um, a period of two years in my life. I spent uh, my time in hotel rooms and at venues waiting for the gig. Mm-hmm. Two years. I mean, other people build houses and get build a family in two years. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not that glamorous. It's 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 mostly it's waiting and two two hours of fun, uh, even when you're on stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's basically it. Yeah, and it's also fun to meet the people afterwards. And, and sure. Because you know, you know, I'm I'm just a regular metalhead, and, and I like to talk metal with people, you know, and uh, that that's a fun time. But uh, the other, let's say, twelve hours a day is just just waiting. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, oh geez. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 You spent. You basically, uh, if you were in the band two hundred, you know, like say two years, you probably did 200, 225 shows, and. Yeah, you. So that means you're roughly say 300 hours in two years that you're actually having fun. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just it's you know, and yeah, you get to play music in front of yeah. people, and you get to hang out at festivals, and and you get people to think you're something you're not, which is kind of fun and kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. but yeah, it's just not as glamorous as everybody no, absolutely, thinks.
0: Absolutely not. No. So, no. What I want to say is if you, if I put all days together it's like uh i played about 800 gigs with paul so those are the two two years wow of course it was it was a a time stretch of of 14 years but all the things put in one place it's two years in a row and i mean oh i see what
1: you're saying uh, oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah, okay okay yeah not not yeah not two years with paul but yeah yeah because you were with him a long time so if i may uh i don't want to get too personal here you could just tell me you don't want to but why um why did the thing stop with paul did he just kind of retire because i know he's still alive
0: Uh, yeah he's still alive and he did not really retire the thing was um, the last tour we did with him was in I don't know it was
1: 2016 2016
0: yeah Yeah. Uh, by that time he was uh, sitting in a a wheelchair the entire show Mm. Uh, and many things that came with it uh, physically and Mm. uh, we were always uh, um, he had our backs and, and we said no problem, we, we can't do that. But we have to do some things differently. For example, we need someone who's taking care of you because there were, I'm not telling a secret, there were um, situations when we found him on the floor of his hotel room, and he couldn't stand up anymore. Oh so my he was gosh. lying there the whole night. And we said, we need somebody who takes care of you. Yeah, And uh, he didn't want that. I understand that he didn't want that. But maybe we were, we were so proud or something like that. Yeah. Sure. So then we, we told him, uh, you need to get surgery for your knees, And he said, yeah, I'm going to do that. And he said, okay, I went to the doctors. Um, I got an appointment for this date and surgery on this date and all that stuff. And we said, okay, no problem. We're waiting for you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then one and a half years later, he was like postponing it always. He has he yeah. got a sepsis and whatever he can not do. And we, we called our manager, Lee Hart, um, and he said, no, he never went to the doctor. Um, no Good doctor would, would would have a surgery on, on these knees if you wouldn't lose 40 kilograms before. No, no doctor would do that. And we were, I mean, we were just asking him, is that true? He said, no, uh, Lee is a liar, whatever. So he was not honest to us.
1: Hmm, too bad
0: during these. Yeah, during these conversations, he said like 300 times, uh, uh, if it's so hard with me, just just uh, quit. And for the 301st time, when he said it, we said, Okay. And that was basically it. Wow. Yeah, and I he, think yeah. he started the shitstorm on, on social media, like we threw him out of the bed, oh, good The poor God. old uh, sick uh, person. And we, we, we couldn't say anything.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's, I, I'm so glad you told this story and, and not, not to, you know, nail Paul down into the ground. But, no, no, no. But I, you know, it's funny. I, now that you're saying this, um, I do remember Paul being in a wheelchair now. I don't know why I kind of forgot that, but, um, yeah, I remember thinking, like, okay, does he have like, you know, pancreatitis? Does he eat? You know, and I'm honestly, I'm not tracking him all the time. Um, wasn't necessarily listening to all all of his stuff. So, yeah, that's that's the nature, though, right? It's 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 not the artist thing as much as it is the human nature and the need to um be seen as something you're not, to be more effective and more together than you are.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, to, to, Too
0: bad. To, to get let, let me get this straight. I, I still like Paul. Uh, of course. We're getting a, we're getting along really well, and I mean, we've been on tour for 14 years, so it's uh, you just cannot throw that away. We're we're still friends, and uh, good. Good. I'm also a, a cover artist, uh, artwork uh, artist, and, and made the latest artwork for his last records, the live records. So
1: oh, okay,
0: um, we're still in contact. We're still friends. It oh, just that's did good. Which ju- it just did not work out as bandmates anymore. So yeah.
1: Yeah, I understand that, and it's and it's best to separate if that's the case anyway. So I I completely understand that. It's it's hard to be a human being sometimes, isn't it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, he's <laughs> he's doing good now. He's in in Croatia getting uh, the surgeries for his knees. Good. Definitely deaf good. And I heard that um, Iron Maiden is paying the the costs for the surgeries.
1: Oh wow, that's awesome! So I mean, he just yeah. turned seventy, which is really mind blowing. Yeah, mind-blowing. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh my God! So he's
0: he's good now. He's got a got a new band called Warhorse. Um just released a three-track uh EP. I mean that's fine. So we'll wow, just wow. go separate ways and but that, that's fine for us.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, look, I, I, I appreciate you sharing the Paul thing. I I, I don't want to stick on that mostly because you're my guest today yeah, and, and, yeah. and I appreciate that. But you know, something I love to talk about is the formation of the artist and the idea that um when we're created in our mother's womb, that we get this DNA downloaded into us. And it's and it's like some of us, most of us are not artists, which is probably good for the world because we're all crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but but um what's your what's your take on the idea that being an artist is is a very significant blessing because I think it is, and an incredible curse because you really can't take it out of yourself you can't undo it what's your yeah. what's your feelings on being an artist especially you in the public eye
0: um that's exactly what what you're saying on the, on the one hand it's, it's a blessing um and i i love what i'm doing you know I'm right here in my little home studio um i just love going here you know let the creativity flow come out with new ideas i constantly write music Sometimes mm-hmm. when I'm in the in the mood to write some synthwave stuff, I'm I'm writing some synthwave stuff on my my keyboards. So when I'm in the mood for metal, I just do that. So that really is a blessing. Uh, on the other hand, it also can be a pain in the ass, uh, money wise. Yeah, <laughs> because that's, because that's the big one. There's, <laughs> there's always something you need because it's really different from the thing that you have, which is ninety percent the same. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. That, that's it. I mean, it's also for, um, you know, when, when I meet old buddies from, from my class when I was 17 or 18, and uh, they're like, so uh, I read on the internet, you're doing this and you're doing that in the last years. And uh, I just want to have your life for one day.
1: Mm. And I said,
0: you think my life is so great. How many kids do you have? And he goes like, yeah, three. So you built a house. Yes, I do. And you got a really good, well paid job. Yes, I do. So why do <laughs> you want to change with me? <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Don't you understand? I live in my car. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know you don't, but you know what I'm saying. It's yeah, exactly. it's, a, yeah. it's yeah. a crazy, crazy life and the sacrifices. Um oh gosh, who was I talking to? Um Ross Valerie, um, from uh Journey. Yeah. And and Ross was was being asked about family life. You know, it was a group of people he was sitting and talking with, and asking about family life. And he said, and 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 basically said the same thing. He said, you know, I understand that being journey is an incredible thing. That very few people get to be in a band of this significance at this level, and to make the kind of money, all the things that I've been fortunate to to experience. I think that's, that's awesome. He said, but you know, there's not one thing about my life that anybody would wish they had if they could trade places with me, because I don't have a wife. I don't have kids. I don't have family structure. I don't have anybody to go home to. I'm the band is everything and it has been, and it's a choice I made. But I would love to switch with somebody if they would be willing to do it, yeah. you know, and I was like, yep, there it is. And the, one of the biggest, you know, most famous bass players in the world uh, yeah. doesn't wishes he knew what it was like on the other side, too. We all wish we yeah. were somebody else.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah. it's just like that.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um well, if you don't mind, just we can keep it short, but I would love to know a little bit about your early years before we get to the, you know, before we get to the album, tell me a little bit about, you know, little Andres, you know, where'd you grow up? Um, you know, why did you take on the guitar? You know, you mentioned the bass earlier. Um, what, what were the, what were the catalysts that got you into music yeah. in general?
0: Um, uh, first of all, I grew up in the town of Leverkusen, which is really close to uh, to Cologne. Mm. Uh, Leverkusen is only known for maybe the buyer company who invented aspirin that that basically is Leverkusen. Yeah. There was a huge factory, uh, 160,000 people living there. And I think 70,000 are working for that company. Mm. So, <laughs>
1: wow. wow,
0: that that's really it's a lot of aspirin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, I grew up there. So was had a really nice childhood. And when I was like, 10 years old, uh, my parents wanted us to play an instrument. (laughs) And I I choose uh, chose keyboards, Uh, did that for four months, and totally lost interest. Mm. Um, It just wasn't my my kind of instrument Back in these days. Uh, So and it was until 13, when I thought, okay, I could learn guitar because uh, it was a solo of Europe's Final Countdown that we listened to in school, and uh, and I was like, "Wow, I want to do that!" Wow. And uh, went to my parents. And my parents said, "So, I mean, we had that fiasco with the keyboard. So, if you want to learn guitar, uh, go and earn yourself a guitar." So I was, you know, delivering papers like yeah. Uh, newspapers. Yeah. Um, and I earned my first like one hundred dollars roundabout and bought a. A used guitar from a friend of my father. Um, and that was basically the start. So I just was at home listening to, to records uh, and trying to figure out how they played it. Then I had a guitar teacher for about a year and was the opinion that, uh, okay, you showed me everything. I just have to learn it now. So I was like eight hours a day, I was practicing guitar in the beginning and yeah. for a month and for years. And uh, then I've reached a level where i thought okay i could work with it with this now formed the first band which was a, a, a hardcore band um, with a funny name of hippopotamus avalanche
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i got i got to name the show hippopotamus avalanche <laughs> That is, a, actually, that's a fantastic name because it's so absurd.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know? yeah.
1: Oh my God, I got to write that down. I don't want to forget. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, please keep talking about Hippopotamus Avalanche. I want to know more.
0: Yeah, it was basically, it was a hardcore band with the songs not longer than two minutes. And uh, the first demo tape was, I don't know, we had, uh, we had 28 songs on it. <laughs> Each was between a minute and, and two minutes. Wow. The funny thing is... Um, a couple of years later, when we were, you know, just a local uh, band playing from Cologne, of everything in the surrounding of, of Liverpool, and um, we suddenly had the a message that we went uh, number two in the in Chile, South America, in the bootleg charts. So oh. we saw a penny for that. It was the bootleg charts. Right. Somebody must have taken a demo uh, like an exchange trip for, for students, brought the demo tape to Chile, and it went off. So, wow. And that was the whole story of Hippopotamus Avalanche. Then I went to study <laughs> in the south, uh, south of Germany, uh, and we just uh, quit with the band. Hmm. You know, The bass, play, bass player went to the north of Germany, I went to the south of Germany, and just didn't happen. And then I was just studying for a couple of years, and then already the Paul thing started. Wow! So wow. there's not not so many bands in my my history. Just you know the first one trying out things, and then the big step to Paul. That was basically my yeah. musical history.
1: Yeah! Wow! So that's pretty wild to go from you know basically a crazy titled hardcore band straight into Paul Diano is a uh, that's a. That's a pretty weird journey. Do you do you ever look yeah. back at it and consider it just um these incredible strokes of I don't want to call it luck because luck is about being prepared, right? So so you were ready, but I mean like I this is maybe the part I missed or maybe you said it and I didn't hear it. Uh, I don't actually know how you ended up in Paul's band. I know you knew people, but but that's yeah. kind of That's how it works anyway, you know.
0: It was was really, it was coincidence. Um, Friends of mine had a a band called Revision, and uh, they were on tour with Paul in, I think, 2001. That's the support support band. And uh, by the time we put together the band for Paul, Paul was not playing very much. So the drummer from that band Revision was a friend of mine uh, called the manager and said, why is, why is Paul not playing live shows anymore? And he said, well, basically, he doesn't have a band. That, that's mm. why. Mm. So these guys called me and said, OK, we're a bass player We're a drummer. We're one guitarist. We need a second guitarist. You want to come and rehearse with us and we we'll see if it, if it fits. And I said, yeah, okay. So uh, I went to their rehearsal room. Wow. We recorded uh, three songs. I think it was Rothschild, Prowler, and Learners in the Rumor. Send it over to Paul. He liked it. And then that's it. That's there it is. Sorry. Uh, there it is. Yeah.
1: And and it proves, too. I know you know this. It proves that um, not only were you prepared for the moment, but you're a nice guy. You you can't be a D-bag <laughs> in no, the business like and, no. and get in anywhere. I mean, you it, once you get there... Uh, you can be a d bag and lose your spot in the business, <laughs> but but yeah. you have to be you have to be kind and uh, and open and willing. You know,
0: absolutely, yeah, yeah. Good
1: absolutely. for you, man.
0: That's amazing. Um, to come back to uh, to the avalanche. Oh um, yeah, please. <laughs> uh, oh, what did I want to say? <laughs> Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. the step from, from playing hardcore to, you know, more technical stuff like I Iron Maiden before. Um, I think it was a hardcore band because me and all the others in the band, we were not able to play better music. So, we, we decided just, you know, strumming and like punky, hardcore stuff, uh, fast songs, because if you play really fast, you can, you know, you make a mistake, nobody will hear it. So, maybe mm-hmm. that was the reason why we started with a hardcore band. Of course, I'm still a fan of the exploited and one of my favorite bands not hardcore at all but it's mighty mighty boss tones for example oh yeah
1: so yeah. good yeah, yeah yeah,
0: absolutely fantastic yeah. uh so I'm not, I'm not stuck to one kind of music a very you know broad taste of music
1: oh man so i'm gonna say this because well i get to say this because i'm the host of the show you and i are gonna be friends man <laughs> Yeah. Because, yeah. because awesome. you're yeah, you're you're just so clearly cool. Um, so when I come to Europe, I'm calling you up because, oh, because I want to spend some time with you. Uh I could tell you you're open to checking all kinds of stuff out. And I and I think that's really the key, the cornerstone of my own show here. The reason I have all these awesome guests and and things that are so wildly divergent, um, is that you know my taste is eclectic, eccentric out there. And, and I'm looking to sort of spread that wealth to, to, you know, the music listener, because you and I both know this, man, there's so much fantastic music that never makes it out of the neighborhood, let alone the country, let alone the continent, you know, there's all these awesome bands in Europe and Australia and Japan and India that never find their way to the shores in the States and vice versa. So, I just think this is fantastic, man. I, I'm I'm really having a good time. Um, yeah, me too. Good, good, good. So let's talk about the new record. It comes out yeah. tomorrow. So, so for listeners of the show, uh, Andreas and I are uh, recording this on June 23rd. the The new self titled record comes out tomorrow on Sensory Records on June 24th. Um, So if you're listening to this, the record is out. (laughs) So go out and buy it because I say so because uh, when you hear that music at the top of the hour, you're going to know how badass it is. It's a killer record. I've heard the whole thing. Freaking love it. And um, that's all I'm going to say about that. But uh, how does it feel to get this material out? I mean, I know we touched on Uh, all these years of distance between when you started it and now releasing it. Um, But does it just feel like, oh, thank God, it's a weight off your shoulder? Or is there this tremendous excitement and ambition to do more because you're finally doing it?
0: Uh, It is a really, really weird feeling because... uh, or, or to say it like this, now that it's coming out, um, <laughs> yeah. it, it's like it's like the weight of the shoulders. Definitely. Sure, sure. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, it was super weird because um, before the first reviews came in, I, I was absolutely not sure. I mean, I, I have mainly all of the releases coming from Sensory Records, and I know that Ken has a good taste in music because he's released all those great records. Mm-hmm. So I thought if he wants to sign us, maybe this is a good album. Because I, I really wasn't sure anymore, and uh, before the first reviews came out, I was really, I don't, I don't know, a little bit frightened, mm-hmm. because um, all the albums I have made with, with Paul, with Architects of Chaos, with Personal War, and you get not reviews that are not so good, like a 6 out of 10 or something, you still think in the back of your mind, Okay, maybe if they didn't like the guitar solo from the other guitar player or they right. don't like the singer or whatever. So but Philosophobia, it's uh it's me. You know, <laughs> I wrote the songs, I wrote the lyrics. You're somebody like... doesn't yeah, if somebody doesn't <laughs> like it, he doesn't like me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. That's, I that's intense. Yeah. Yeah. So but then the first viewers came in with nine out of ten. Uh, we had one ten out of ten, uh eight point five out of ten. So they're all in the in the top level. And I was like, okay, let's yeah. Really
1: got a good weight off my shoulders now. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a solid record. It's cohesive. It sounds like it doesn't sound like it was and not that it was recorded, you know, at wildly different times, but I mean, it just sounds like it was done at once. Um, it sounds complete. You can tell. I think it's because you're the, you know, like you mentioned, you're the songwriter. It sounds like one vision. And that has to happen on a record. You can't have, I mean, so the greatest part about Queen, right? Let's go to Queen for a second. Yeah. The yeah. greatest part about Queen was the wild ambition. The one moment they're doing disco, the next minute they're doing opera, the next minute they're doing metal. Yeah. But but that same dis- disparate influence, you know, uh, on uncategorical, excuse me, you can't categorize kind of what they did. It just was queen. It was just, ah, it's just queen. What I love about Philosophobia and obviously your songwriting is, is, yeah, it sounds like one thing. And for a fan, for a listener, and people who like my show, they'll love it because it's very squarely fits right into the pocket of what we do here. So Mm -hmm. I... I just can't stop praising it. No question. I just want to say it's just really fantastic. Oh, thank, fan- you yeah. thank you very much.
0: Thank yeah. you very much. I mean, yeah. the songwriting process is, uh, or progress is, is, I mean, it's, it's just the natural way I'm I'm writing. You know? Like I yeah. told you earlier, there were two different songs on the original demos in 2007. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I replaced them with two new ones. One was uh, Voices Unheard is a new one.
1: Yeah, I know. And- oh my God. <laughs>
0: Uh, and uh, between the pines is a new one. So, okay. But but I think the same. They they sound like as if they have always been there. Yeah. As if they were meant meant to be there.
1: Yeah. You know what? That's. uh I was talking to my wife about this the other day. It's like children. Um. And I understand this again because I'm a musician. Is is what? You don't have these things, and then all of a sudden you have them, right? You birth your children through songs, right? Yeah and and it's like they've been there always. Yeah. You you recognize them. It goes back to the DNA thing. You recognize their spirit because they've been inside of you hiding and waiting to be released. And they're yeah, fine yeah. and they're finally out, you know, and and yesterday you touched on this. Um voices unheard came out on video. Yeah. Yeah. And I watched that video and almost like cried. It's a uh, Musically, it's phenomenal. Um, visually, it's very, very uh, uh, difficult to watch. Um, yeah. And and for those who don't know what I'm talking about yet, Andres, why don't you tell us what the video is about and why we're watching what we're watching because you're clearly making a message, man.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't know how to put it. I mean, you said it, it's shocking and you're uh, about to cry, but it's this is the reality. Uh, yeah. And uh, I also chose to, you know, to put this red or black effect on it. And, you know, because it was even more shocking if you see mm-hmm. it just full colored pictures. And I, I didn't want to uh, to do that to people because everyone can decide if he wants to dive deeper into uh, the topic of animal abuse, factory farming and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a vegan vegetarian since six years now. Um, I don't like to, you know, to tell people what to eat or what not to right, everybody to can preach. decide. Exactly. I'm I'm not that kind kind of mm-hmm, guy. Mm-hmm. So everybody can decide for himself. But on the other hand, people should be aware of what they are doing. You know, it was just a couple of days ago when I was at the supermarket and there was a an older man standing next to me and I was picking, you know, the vegetarian stuff from the from the shelf. And he was Mm -hmm. like, are you experienced with that? And I said, yes, I I am eating no meat since six six years now. And he said, "Um, I've got to tell you something. Uh, Tell me what you like and I will try it. I'm 79 years old now and my granddaughter just showed me something on the uh, internet and I, I really don't want to eat meat anymore. Of course, I knew 79 years long. That animals are not treated right and, and yeah. by factory farm, but I did not know that it was so bad. So at the age of 79, he said, so if I don't start now, when should I do? Yeah. <laughs> so, and that's basically it. You know, I've, I've saved or me and my wife, we saved nine sheep from from slaughterhouse. We've got a horse, we got four dogs, stray dogs from from the streets and everything. We're a little bit crazy regarding that. Sure. Um, but you're doing your part. Yeah, I, I hope so. I hope so. And uh, that, that what basically is the video about there might be some shocking footage and some shocking facts. Um, in, the, in the middle part where it's written right now, uh, 30% of, of the way or something like that. So everybody who watches this can go and just search the internet and make his own picture. I just want to be people to be aware of how it is. That's yeah,
1: it. yeah. It's a, it's a tough message because, um, we obviously, uh, have been conditioned to eat a lot of things, um, yeah. everything from, you know, meat to, you know, uh, sh- pastries loaded with sugar. And, yeah. and, and I was just telling my children this the other day, I said, you know, you do realize that unless you grow this in your backyard, um, and even then it might be hard. But unless you grow this personally and you know which, you know, pesticides and growth hormones or whatever you've put on your food, there is no such thing as healthy food (laughs) like at a a grocery store. it's. I don't care if you go to the, you know, the vegetable market or if you go unless you really know there's always something that's probably there to enhance the flavor or to, you know, to help it stay fresh on the shelf longer. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's a tough one. And yet, um, this is me being the devil's advocate for a moment. Yeah, sure. And yet, um, to many people, um, obviously, uh, meat and sugary products are delicious and they don't want to stop eating them. And then there's the other side that, um, I've heard from science that says, well, if we don't have, um, you know, we don't have, uh, what do you call it? Uh, geo, uh, what's it called when they, um, oh gosh, where they put hormones in the food. So they make more, or they make like, like chickens yeah. aren't supposed to have thighs this big. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're supposed to yeah. be tiny, but everything has been jacked up with hormones yeah. and, and the and the argument has been, well, you know, it's for the good of the planet. We've got so many people here. We need to make more food. We need to, you know, we need to hormonally uh, enhance all the food so there's more food. And
0: yeah, that's, that's a tough that's, one. That's, no, it's it's just is not true. If, if you yeah. think it like that. You, it's like if you take the the soy production in in South America, ninety um, percent of it goes to factory farming.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And
0: only ten end up in, you know, um, soy schnitzel or whatever you can buy at the supermarket for vegetarians or for vegans. If you take those ninety percent that has been put to factory farming for cows or pigs or whatever, uh, and just give it straight to the humans, mm-hmm. it would solve all the starving problems <laughs> in the third world. Really, right? Would. Right? It's, no, it would. It would. Yeah, I agree. That's so so
1: absurd. And it is yeah. but but there's not enough but there's it's but see here's the thing andres it's not sexy enough um uh, yeah. it's it they can't make enough money off of it it works better as feed than it does as sustenance
0: yeah exactly and, and you're right with one thing uh doesn't matter if it's if it's meat or if it's uh soy stuff or whatever um not all of that is, is really healthy, just because it doesn't have meat in it. Yeah. Yeah. But my personal decision was, okay, both is not healthy for me. But the other one is not healthy for me and for the animal. So I just skip one thing. Yeah, because yeah. it doesn't matter what what I eat, it will not be super healthy. Uh, for well, example, at- I've got I've got a huge problem with uh, uh, soft drinks. I, I like Coke, I like uh, Dr Pepper, and all that stuff. That's <laughs> oh yeah, that's You're talking that's my language. <laughs> <laughs> Look how bad what, I am. <laughs> yeah. Look what I got here. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, I mean I know. I mean I gotta. I, people don't know this, but I'm I'm holding a mocha. Uh, you know, from a coffee shop. I I like my sugar, man. It's a tough one. It's a tough yeah. one. I'm addicted too. I admit it. I'm addicted. I'm, I'm pre-diabetic and I look, I mean, look, I look pretty good. I'm pretty healthy, pretty lean, but I'm still pre diabetic because I'm an idiot about sugar. It's true.
0: Yeah, me too. During the last two years of of the pandemic, you know, I usually I play basketball um, and uh, do that two times a week. And then the third day is is game Uh, during the pandemic. There was not nothing of that, mm-hmm. but I didn't change my my you know sugar drinking behavior, oh, right. so right. I I gained about I think six or seven kilo in, oh, in, the, la- in the last two years.
1: I think so, I did too. Yeah, same for me. Yeah. Oh man! I see now. I need to come over to Germany just so we can get together and, and play music. I can because that's the thing about drumming too. Uh, I'm a drummer. I didn't say that, but yeah, yeah. um, it's it's a low. It's actually a low impact workout. And and so I mean drumming since I was a little boy I was always super skinny and as soon as I dropped that off you know I kind of left the music business back in the early 2000s and it's sure enough the first thing I started putting on the pounds yeah, yeah. you know um look I I, I I I'm sorry for taking us off track there but um no sure no problem I've got time <laughs> okay okay well you know I mean obviously I'd like to talk more about the record but I also want to touch one more thing on on the 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 vegetarian thing or the or the meat thing you know really just attributing it to the song voices unheard you know again for for those listening the video um basically uh shows us in in uh kindly filtered (laughs) ways uh the ugliness of factory farming and i grew up next to a factory farm. Um, My grandparents were horse, horse farmers. um, So which basically meant they had a pasture and they had animals there and they bred horses there. So they weren't, you know, killing them for meat or anything like that. And they loved their horses and they took very good care of them. But right next door were two chicken farms. And of course that's not for anything but the production of eggs and chicken meat. And one, the smell is atrocious. (laughs) And, and two, this is in the 70s when, you know, chickens the size of, I don't know, you know, say like 12 inches by four five inches wide or whatever were shoved into crates that were like 14 inches by six inches wide. And they were basically and, and I don't know if they still are, but I imagine if it's not in, you know, quote unquote. You know uh, a good uh, uh, you know American farm, which we like to believe we're doing good things, which is yeah, hilarious because yeah. we're not. Um, you know all these animals are tortured; they just yeah. are flat out tortured for as long as they live, and then they're tortured when they die. And yeah. so death is probably a really good thing for them because their lives are over. But the but the thing is 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 people can make fun of me feeling this way, make fun of you feeling this way about animals but man when you watch a video of a let's say a person's died and their dog goes to their grave every day we don't understand we do not understand how that animal feels because we can't read their mind and we can't speak their language but it but i would implore people to consider that maybe the animal's language doesn't mean they're dumb. It's just a language you don't understand. Exactly. Because they love and they hurt and they ache and they deserve compassion. And people can roll their eyes at that all day long. Um, And yes, I'm a hypocrite. I do eat meat. Um, But maybe it's time I do better too
0: was your, your decision. So, yeah, but,
1: <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? But, but maybe, maybe, maybe it's time. I mean, I could, I, I would certainly be healthier.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I could be healthier too. And I don't eat meat. So <laughs> that's yeah, well, not, not the whole, whole story, but you're sure. absolutely right. I mean, that that also is what the song voice unheard is about because, yeah. um, there's this one, uh, line in the lyrics, um, saying, uh, I, I adore you endlessly. And that's really fascinating fact mm-hmm. about animals for me you know i told you that we have got four dogs and one dog is a, is a pit bull and mm-hmm. he was uh, taken away from from a drug, drug dealer he wanted uh, him to become a bad dog and for dog fights and whatever oh, but yeah it, it just did not turn bad it, mm-hmm. it was just not his, his spirit or his natural behavior—he did everything. He, he hit him with, you know, nail clubs. Uh, put electricity about his, uh, around his testicles. Oh, he just did, did not turn bad. But I was there before we we took it took him away from him. He did all that to the dog But the moment he came into the room, the pit bull was sitting there waving his tail, really happy that his master is coming, mm-hmm. and. I am get getting goosebumps right now. I yeah. mean, this is so much more than that. We have this forgiveness and still adoring somebody, whatever he does. But he, this is the guy who's there for me, whatever he does. Maybe I was so, like I did something wrong, and he had to beat me or something. They mm-hmm. always forgive, and that that is so amazing to see. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's a. It's almost. Um, You know, I'm a pretty emotional person, so I mean, I can imagine it in my head, right? And it it, it doesn't make me cry, but I mean, it definitely reminds you that, yeah, they're just pure, you know, that's the one thing, you know, we talk about humans being more intelligent or better than, you know, every other mammal on the planet, you know what I mean? Like, oh, we know more than dogs and, you know, we care more than porpoises and all these other things, Um, but we also enslave people (laughs) and, and we kill people. We kill children in, in schools because we're pissed off at our teachers
0: Yeah.
1: and right. I mean, we're the worst. (laughs) We're, we're amazing. We're the most capable beings on the planet and we're the worst caretakers and the worst lovers of, of the very things we should care about and love.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. That's that's a shame. I mean, we know what we're doing wrong, but we just don't change
1: it. Well, it's because it's because we don't we don't want to take away the basic fleshly things that we like, right? Sex, yeah. food. Yeah. Right? We we want to feel good and we don't care what gets in the way. As long as yeah. we get a feel good today, that's that's I'm right, you know, you know, and I'm smart enough to make it happen. Yeah,
0: okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not that guy. <laughs> well, I, I probably am sometimes, but, but you know what I mean. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, oh my gosh. Well, I, I'm. I'm so, glad you. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: No, I just wanted to uh, to say to the video, uh, everybody. You know, it has the warning at the beginning, so mm-hmm. um,
1: it means it prepared.
0: too. Yeah, yeah. And everybody's prepared. So, but if if you watch it and you want to dive deeper into the topic, just go ahead. Make your own picture um and if that song brought you to something i'm really happy if it doesn't maybe it's just a good song for you just uh yeah that's it yeah that's basically it not not a preacher or something
1: yeah no it's great it's great well look before i let you go i want to ask you uh maybe two more questions is that okay yeah sure absolutely cool cool i mean i could stay with you all day man this is really cool
0: Uh, I've
1: got time, no problem. Well, I mean, I do too, but uh, I don't know, man. That editing process gets really tough when it goes over an hour. Um, What do you enjoy about the songwriting? You know, I mean, like, so you're a guitarist, you play bass, you know you you started on keyboards. I mean, you understand rhythm, you understand melody, you you get all the all the bits and pieces of of the song. Arrangement, by the way, in particular, is my favorite thing. It's my favorite facet of of song creation, and and the pieces you've written are incredibly well arranged. So, kudos to you! Thank um, you very much. You're welcome. What do you like most about that process? Uh, you know, from everything I can tell, like I said, you're before you're you're very adept at it. What's what what part do you like? I, I'm not sure if I
0: can can name one particular thing for that you know i'm, I'm really really bad i really suck at, at music <laughs> theory really okay I do. okay so, uh, so everything that i'm, that I'm writing is uh, you know my feeling of of, uh, of how it of basically of how it feels good you know when i had the the record sent when they came from the pressing plant um, i had a friend over here we were listening to it and he, we were listening to thorn in your pride and he was like Oh, that's interesting. That's a six-eight followed by a thirteen-eight followed by a six-eight and then an eleven-eight, and then it comes to the one again. It's a like, Prague, and I was like, "Yes, if you say so." Because for me, it was just you know the the natural melody that was like that. I did was not sitting here and thinking it's Prague, so I have to do a six-eight and then the thirteen-eight. Right, then. it's not like that. Just right. you know, it, it feels right when I'm when I'm writing it. Uh, by the way the the second album is uh, is written and pre uh, pre-produced so we're heading to the studio very soon Wow and that was exactly the same I mean it was like I started with the first song and then suddenly six songs were finished and uh, ended up to be eight songs again but uh one of them uh is over the 20 minute mark so wow it's like, that's it's like having, it's like having nine or ten songs on.
1: <laughs> yeah that's like true prog metal if there ever was man <laughs> you've got to yeah. have like the really long like single side you know if it was an yep. lp it takes the whole side
0: <laughs> oh my and, god and also that was not planned it was like okay this is a cool part um do i make a song of it? no it really fits to the one that i've already written and it just just Became a long song. It was not planned mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm.
1: Is it a suite? You know how like that's a standard. You've got to have like chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. You know, and it's always about like um, something fanciful, like a sword fight in like the 14th century or something. Yeah. You know what I
0: mean? Yeah, I do. No, I'm not. I'm not. No, it's not. No. Okay. <laughs> not um, like
1: that. So yeah, that was actually the other question. Um, if, you know, if you're producing new material right now as we speak, because I would imagine with the feeling the process of things finally taking off that now you really really want to jump in you know with both feet and just go 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 go
0: absolutely uh, i mean when we started recording it was uh, may 2020 so that's uh two years ago already so uh, mm-hmm. the recording process uh, took about one year so we, wow. we were finished by uh, 2021 um yeah so I've had two years of writing new material now. And like I said, the second album is already written and pre-produced. And there are also like three or four songs that might add up on the third album. Yeah. That are already written yet. So we we will see. I mean, the the second one is set like it is now. Whatever I write from now on is not going to be on the second album because I I love it the way it is. And uh, yeah, that's that's basically the plan for, for the next couple of months to record the second album.
1: It's so cool, man. Well, this this gives me great hope because now it's a chance to to be, in a sense, your friend through that process, right, and experience it. I'm not I'm not asking for anything, but you know what I mean. I just I like the yeah. idea of of knowing that something I like is coming, that there's more yeah. of it. You know, that's very yeah. that's very exciting because you know, in this day and age, you've got music, you've got uh, so much content on, say, YouTube you want to know that the thing you fall in love with is going to be around a while.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know? there, there are two, two examples, examples. Like the first one is fate's warning. Uh, yes. One of my favorite, my favorite bands of all time. Mm-hmm. And it broke my heart when the last records came out and everybody was like, okay, the last song says they, they're over now. They're not going to make it anymore. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, no, that can't be true. And the other yeah. one is uh dream theater. I mean, they're like you know they're gonna drop an album in two years, and yeah. I'm not a big Dream Theater fan anymore. Uh, I was super huge fan until Scenes from a Memory. Maybe yep, that was training. that was
1: yep. I cut off at Scenes from a Memory. I was like, that's it, yeah. 1998. I'm done. I, I was just yeah. they got too foofy for their own good.
0: Exactly, and that, that, that's what people ask me, um, is is your music like Dream Theater, and say no the prog music that i'm making is you know it has the structures that that i really like like a Mm -hmm. verse and a pre-chorus and a chorus and then there is time and space for musical experiments whatever what i don't like about dream theater is like there is so much noodling going on around in the background and that's not my kind of uh, music anymore it was different if you listen to awake that's a perfect
1: record Oh yeah. I mean, oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. So so see again, we're 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 now we're not just friends, we're gonna be best friends because
0: and listen listen to the <laughs> vocals on change of seasons. Man, that is amazing.
1: Yeah, and, it is um, it, it is the, I, first time, oh, the first time the
0: first time I heard it, the yeah. uh where where it thinks uh season sh- change and so can I, hold a boy no time. I was like whoa, 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 yeah, wait yeah. a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, oh and I still think that James Tobito just just to say that, I don't want to see your time, but I still no. think when people are saying now, uh, James Debris sucks now that when he's singing live. James Debris, and I have to make that clear <laughs> once for all, James Debris still is a fantastic singer. Yep. James Debris yes. is still playing you know, in the in the NBA finals. He's mm-hmm. not getting the championship, but he's still mm-hmm. in the finals. He's mm-hmm. still among the top 10% singers you have out there. Yeah. So yep. I, I really can't understand why people are saying he doesn't sing good anymore. Anyway. He does sing fantastic. He just does does not seem super fantastic anymore, but it's still fantastic.
1: I agree. I agree. It's I, I love that you brought up Change of Seasons too, because um, even though I like scenes from a memory, I do. Um I, I don't like all of I certainly like say like the first four tracks on the record. And then and then it kind of loses me. And then I, and then um train of thought. I'm not gonna lie, I like train of thought. I yeah, take, absolutely i, yeah, I have yeah. to take that back because uh as i am is a fantastic song yeah. um uh
0: there so if you rewind if you rewind our video now for like two minutes you will hear me trying to say and train of thoughts yeah but yeah yeah you will, you and, try that.
1: <laughs> yes and well it's because what train of thought does for all of us old school dream theater fans is it takes us back to images and words yeah it, they they finally they got that formula back for a brief moment and i'm not sure why they drifted off but i mean they just went yeah they got way too out there too noodly um and nowadays i mean look i think mike is a fantastic technical i mean he's a monster drummer but it did lose the feel it did. Yeah. It's 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 too yeah. now. It's like robot precise. Where before it it grooved. It does not groove, and I don't know. I'm sounding like a jerk right now, so I'm gonna stop. But but I want to say something about change, uh, change of seasons. Uh, I, and I know you know what part I'm talking about. The transition from the, I think it's the second chapter of the song. It's a, it's about the ten minute mark is happening, and James is singing over the top of it, just going, Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: And then it stops and it goes, That riff, that is the coolest thing ever written by anybody. Oh, yeah. And they play it four times and then they stop, and I'm like, that's like the that should be a song it's such a killer <laughs> groove absolutely. And, oh god I mean I got goosebumps just talking about it but yeah i I, I agree with you my friend and, we, to- uh, and
0: talking talking about groove yes Mike um, partner is so groovy on the change of season and and I think that's a, a yep. production thing uh, I just bought the awake demos uh, and the uh falling into infinity demos. Oh, my God, my, Mike is so grooving on these records oh. and that it, it got totally lost on the on the official releases because they were like, you know, editing and cutting too much in the studio. It, yeah, it's just like like the machines the, the, and the demos are so fantastic. The drumming oh. is absolutely amazing.
1: Yeah, well, it just goes to show you that great people are great. I mean, great musicians are great musicians. And, you know, sometimes it gets cut out, you know, produced out of of the material. But, yeah. um, and that's honestly so I'll end this way because it's the truth. The reason I like Philosophobia so much is because you've done what, okay, this is going to sound really weird. <laughs> Radiohead was awesome until Kid A, <laughs> yeah. in, in my opinion. They yep. were awesome that first like seven years, and then they totally screwed it up, and they've been yep. weird ever since. And every once in a while, there's a great song, but it's weird. Get, let's just admit it. It's weird. Yep. It's yep. it's not very musical. It's just out there. And and God bless them. Cool. Yep. But but they left a hole, and then Muse yep. came along, and Muse said, "We're gonna be the new Radiohead," and it pissed everybody off because they're like, "You sound yep. like Radiohead." But they <laughs> but they kept that. Vibe alive, yeah, and then yeah. and then eventually they stopped sounding like Radiohead and sounded just like Muse, whatever Muse is. Yeah. Um, what I love about philosophobia is it does the same thing with Dream Theater. You, oh. you, I'm telling you, it's true. Oh,
0: no, I'm getting goosebumps. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's it goes it goes back to that era. It makes sense that we brought this up because it goes back to that era. Uh, where they stopped being who they were, and you've taken the reins from that, and that is so fantastic, because that's the best kind of music there is, and and you've done it, and I'm so excited because I'm now know the guy who does it.
0: <laughs> oh, thank you so much. That's uh, one of the best compliments I, I, I've ever gotten. So, thank you very much.
1: Yeah. Well, ladies, let's ladies. let's uh let's stop it here because I can't praise you anymore. <laughs> <laughs>